one and we drive everywhere for the second GOP debate. We're going to cover it here live on the Jonathan Kogan show. Thanks for tuning in. If you're listening to this, not live, you could skip ahead about three minutes. If you want to get straight into the debate, straight into the juice. Um, <clears throat> cause it's starting in about two to three minutes. Uh, we're going to pull it up here shortly, actually two minutes and four seconds to be exact. So, um, listen, I appreciate you being with the Jonathan Kogan show. Please subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan show, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, or YouTube rumble, uh, Twitter at KOGZ. All right, let's get right into it. So for the first debate, we nailed it on this podcast, nailed it. We, I guess the gift that we bring to everybody with this show is we have the uncanny ability to assess what human behavior is going, what humans are going to think based on a performance in a debate. So what do I mean by that? Well, we predicted that the uh, average person who is in the corporate media realm is going to say Nikki Haley won that debate. We were correct. That's exactly what happened. And then we thought people that are already on the right are going to love Vivek. That happened. But just the average person is going to love Nikki Haley on that. Now, tonight's going to be different. Tonight is going to be different. Trump's still not there. Trump is crushing the polls. So, I mean, listen, why are we even doing this? Let's be honest. Trump is just killing the game right now. But we're going to cover this. We're going to assess it. We're going to be unbiased. We're going to be truthful. Um, <clears throat> we're going to do what we always do here. We're going to look at this political sh show, this political theater, whatever you want to call it, with an honest, apolitical lens. Okay? We have no biases. We have no ties to any candidate because we don't believe in any candidate because we don't believe in any politician on this podcast. So we assess it for what it is. We call it like it is. And nine times out of 10, mostly 10 times out of 10, we are 100% accurate in our assessment. So it's starting about 10 seconds. We could watch this either on Fox News or Rumble. Let's try Rumble first. If there's some glitches, we will switch from it. But it's starting in 10 seconds. We want to give Rumble the credit. Uh, because we need to stand together for free speech. So please support Rumble. They're fighting hard for us. Uh, and so we just need to be there for them when they need us. And they need us right now. So let's put on this sound and let's see what happens here. High in the hills of California's Simi Valley stands a monument to one of the most beloved leaders in our nation's history, Ronald Reagan, the Gipper, the great communicator, America's 40th commander-in-chief. He railed against big government. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And sought peace through strength. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Forty years after Reagan's landslide re-election, the Republican Party faces critical questions. What does it mean to be a conservative? We fight for the truth. We are not going to worry about what the left and the media say about us. What is the key to a thriving economy? It's innovation, not regulation. America could do for anyone what she's done for me. We will stop the spending. We will stop the borrowing. We will stop the earmarks. What is America's role in the world? We need to build a military fitted to the widening challenges in an ever more dangerous world. Sometimes you avoid war by showing you tough. 
and the country faces even more challenges. Would Reagan even recognize the country in which we now live? Tonight, candidates seeking the Republican nomination converge in California to chart a new path for the grand old party. Now is the time for choosing. That intro just wants me to say America. Super American start to the debate. Very American. Welcome to the second Republican debate of the. All right, let's make sure the audio is working. California. Spectacular Air Force One Pavilion, where the stage is set for a showdown. I'm Stuart Varney of Fox Business, and I am thrilled to be sitting alongside my co-moderators, Fox News Channel Dana Perino and Ilya Calderon, Cal- uh, 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 Univision. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. President Rough start. President famously described America as a shining city on a hill. And tonight, seven candidates will make the case they should be the one to lead that city into a brighter tomorrow. But first, they have to convince you the voter. Please allow me to welcome our Spanish-speaking audience. Muy buenas noches a todos. Desde la Biblioteca Presidencial Ronald Reagan, los precandidatos republicanos también buscan... Is this like a new thing for like the illegal immigrants? Is that what's going on now? And good evening. So let's meet the candidates who have qualified and chosen to be on this stage tonight. They are positioned by the order they rank in the polls with the highest polling candidate in the middle. Standing center stage, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He definitely has an interesting smile. It's Vivek, but okay. As predicted. Governor Chris Christie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why is this? <laughs> Why is he on there? He's so crazy. And North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. We have questions on a wide variety of issues important to primary voters. Candidates get one minute to answer and 30 seconds to respond if singled out. of ground to cover so please keep it civilized okay. let's get going we are in this spacious sunny place tonight designed to reflect the very nature and character of ronald reagan it's a place that makes you proud to be an american yet today our nation is drowning in division and incivility voters say they dread the 2024 election and find politics exhausting. Two in three Americans think the country is on the wrong track. And three in four say they, the economy is not in good shape. Prices are up 18% since 2020. More than half of the U.S. population has little access to childcare. 85% of Americans say their personal finances are a source of stress. Americans want to believe a leader who says, you can follow me. I've got you. Don't worry. President Biden is trying to do that with Bidenomics. And yesterday, he joined the picket lines where auto workers are demanding more wages and job security. Senator Scott, you recently reacted 
by praising Ronald Reagan for firing air traffic controllers in the 1980s. It's saying, you strike, you're fired. Would you fire thousands of striking auto workers today, Senator? Obviously, the President of the United States cannot fire anybody in the private sector. However, we should look back at the first bill in Congress under Pro Joe Biden. The first bill had $86 billion for the union pensions because they continue to overpromise yet underdeliver. One of the challenges that we have in the current negotiations is that they want four-day French work weeks, but more money. They want more benefits, working fewer hours. That is simply not going to stand. I sat in a finance committee hearing when a widow came before the committee who's promised pensions from, from the unions, $4,000 a month. Unfortunately, it had been cut to $1,000 a month. We must make sure that we honor the commitments that we make. And one of the ways that we do that, do not overpromise and then underdeliver and leave the taxpayers on the hook. I'll say this, Joe Biden should not be on the picket line. He should be on the southern border working to close our southern border because it is unsafe, wide open, and it's leading to the deaths of 70,000 Americans in the last 12 months because of fentanyl. It is devastating. Every county in America is now a border county because fentanyl has devastated Americans in every single state. I will also say six million illegal crossings since Joe Biden has taken office and he eliminated Title 42. The one thing he should do is finish the wall, reinstate Title 42, and get the job done. <laughs> that we are going to have a lot of questions on the border and immigration. But in the meantime, we do want to talk about the economy and jobs and especially want to talk about this strike for just a moment more. Mr. Ramaswamy, you've said you really empathize with the strikers. You're standing next to Senator Scott. And do you agree with what he said or do you think he's wrong? I agree with some of what he said, for sure. I like the spirit of it. I'll say that I don't have a lot of patience for the union bosses. I think that's where he and I actually have a common view. I do have a lot of sympathy for the workers, however. People are going through real hardship in this country. I've been through hardship. My father stared down layoffs at GE under Jack Welch's tenure at the GE plant in Evendale, Ohio. My mom had to work overtime in nursing homes in Southwest Ohio to make ends meet and pay off our home loan. So I understand that hardship is not a choice, but victimhood is a choice. And we choose to be victorious in the United States of America. You know what, if I was giving advice to those workers, I would say go picket in front of the White House in Washington, D.C. That's really where the protest needs to be. Disastrous economic policies that have driven up prices, that have driven up interest rates and mortgage rates. At the same time, wages remaining stagnant. What we need is to deliver economic growth in this country. Unlock American energy. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy put people back to work by no longer paying them more money to stay at home, stabilize the U.S. dollar itself, and rescind a majority of those unconstitutional federal regulations that are hampering our economy. That is how we unleash American exceptionalism. And that's not a Democratic vision or a Republican vision. That is an American vision that we embrace economic growth and capitalism is system known to man to lift us up from poverty and we should not apologize for it that's what it means to be an american
Oh, I see Tim Draper, venture capitalist in the back there. Casey DeSantis. General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis make 336 times the number of rank and the uh, member number of rank and file workers. That's just part of a, walk, a wider income inequality trend in the country. The richest 1% now controls one fifth of all income. Vice President Pence, last week you said you side with American workers, but you also support how these companies operate. Which is it? Well, thank you for the question. I want to thank uh, Univision and Fox Business for assembling such a wonderful forum. Look, I do disagree with something Tim Scott just said. Joe Biden doesn't belong on a picket line. He belongs on the unemployment line. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I'm from the second leading manufacturing state in the country per capita. I was governor of the state of Indiana. We brought 12,000 factories back to America during our administration. I, I know something about manufacturing. And I got to tell you, while, uh, while the union bosses are talking about class warfare and talking about disparity in wages, I, I have to tell you, I really believe what's driving that is Bidenomics has failed. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. Auto workers and all American workers are feeling it. And families are struggling in this economy. And Joe Biden's Green New Deal agenda is good for Beijing and bad for Detroit. We ought to repeal the Green New Deal, get rid of the mandates and subsidies that are driving American gasoline automotive manufacturing into the graveyard. And beyond that also, uh, as President of the United States, I'll be standing with workers all across America, and I'll be standing for the right to work of every American to join a union or not join a union as they decide. Senator Scott, you yes. mentioned, will you catch me? He just rubs me off as a phony. Joe Biden needs to be fired. That's why I'm running for president. I look forward to being the next president of the United States. I will also say, I know America can do for anyone what she's done for me. It's why we're focusing on restoring hope, creating opportunities, and protecting the America we all love. Growing up in a single-parent household, I wondered if the American dream would work for a kid in the inner city. I've got good news for every single child, whether you're in the inner cities of Chicago or the rural parts of Iowa. America and the dream, it is alive, it is well, and it is healthy. God bless these United States of America. Governor Haley, you raise your hand. Yeah, I think we need to look at exactly what happened. Biden showed up on that picket line, but why are those workers actually there? It's because of all of the spending that he has pushed through in the economy that's raised the inflation. So when you look at the fact that we are paying higher gas prices, higher grocery prices, $7,000 more a year for families, what we need to do is I came out with an economic plan, eliminate the gas and diesel tax so that they have more money in their pocket. Let's focus on, on going after middle America and cutting taxes for middle America and collapsing those brackets. Let's get rid of unfair distortions like the state and local tax that they give to wealthy people in, in blue states and not and paid by red states. And let's make sure we make the small business taxes permanent. They only made those temporary. They made the corporate taxes permanent. Let's focus on what it takes to get more cash in the pockets of workers. That's when we'll be able to deal with strikes like this, not sitting on a picket line like Joe Biden is. Thank you, Governor Haley. We have other questions to get to about economy. Allow me to... I, I just um, have to I'm sorry. Allow me to... Allow yeah, me to I'm, I'm sorry. I have to jump in because we're missing the point and every other network is missing the point. The reason why people are striking in Detroit is because Joe Biden's 
interference with capital markets and with free markets. The subsidies, we're subsidizing the automakers and we're subsidizing the cars and a particular kind of car, not every car, we're particularly we're subsidizing electric vehicles. And when you decide that we're gonna take all of your taxpayer monies, take a billion dollars, subsidize a certain type of vehicle, and the batteries come from China, China controls 85% of the rare earth minerals. They're called rare earth because they're measured in parts per million. China is moving 100,000 pounds of earth in Indonesia, in Africa. They're literally destroying the planet so that we can make and make a battery that's in a car subsidized here. That's why they're striking because they need two thirds less workers to build an electric car. Joe Biden, this strike is at Joe Biden's feet. We're going to keep the topic of economy, but allow me to follow the follow question to Governor Christie. The government will shut down if Congress does not reach a deal by the end of this week. Vice President Pence warns that politics of, quote, Trump's populist protégés, like Mr. Ramaswamy, are a road to ruin for the GOP. If the government shuts down, should voters blame populist Republicans? Voters should blame everybody who's in Washington, D.C. They get sent down there to do the job, and they've been failing at doing the job for a very long time. And let's be honest about this with the voters. You know, during the Trump administration, they added $7 trillion, $7 trillion in national debt. And now the Biden administration has put another $5 trillion on and counting. They have failed, and they're in the spot they're in now because none of them are willing to tell the truth. None of them are willing to take on the difficult issues. They just want to keep kicking the can down the road. And the inflation that Nikki spoke about is absolutely right, and it's caused by government spending. And that's why people all across this country are suffering tonight. And yet we don't get any answers because Joe Biden hides in his basement and won't answer as to why he's raising the debt the way he's done. And Donald Trump he hides behind the walls of his golf clubs and won't show up here to answer questions like all the rest of the answer. He put seven trillion on the debt. He should be in this room to answer those questions for the people you talk about who are suffering. And if the government and if the government closes, and if the government closes, it's the blame of everyone in Washington, D.C., who has failed to do their job and just plays to the grandstand. The next question is for Governor DeSantis. Can we please respect the time? Governor DeSantis, you haven't spoken, please. The people in Washington are shutting down the American dream with their reckless behavior. They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. They are the reason for that. Shut down our national sovereignty by allowing our border to be wide open. So please spare me uh, the crocodile tears for these people. They need to change what's going on. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now, I can tell you this, as governor of Florida, we cut taxes, we ran surpluses, we've paid down over 25% of our state debt, and I vetoed wasteful spending when it came to my desk. And as your president, when they send me a bloating spending bill that's gonna cause your prices to go up, I'm gonna take out this veto pen and I'm gonna send it right back to them. Ilya, you mentioned me in the question. I just want to address that. <laughs> he did that smile again. That is on, on the minds of a lot of moms 
and dads and Americans, and I know that you've been thinking about it because childcare costs, they are up. They're topping $10,000 per month. Some families are spending up to half of their income yes. on childcare, and they're having to decide, is it worth it for me to work or does it not make sense for me financially? In three days, the billions of dollars in pandemic era funding is going to end and 70,000 daycares could close. So you had an effort to broaden eligibility for childcare assistance that fell apart last year. And for the moms and dads out there who are worried, what can you tell them if you weren't able to get it through the Congress, how could you do it as president? Certainly one of the things I did as a member of the Congress was to make sure that we protected the Head Start programs around the country. For giving people the opportunity to pick and choose the place that they send their children. The challenges that we see today under the Biden administration is that the cost for daycare has gone over $15,000 per child. In the Build Back Broker plan, he called it a Build Back Better plan, it was going up to $29,000. The way we fix that problem is to make sure that we actually cut taxes and give more Americans their money back. When I helped write the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we actually lowered a single mother's taxes by 70% on the federal level, for dual income households by 60%. Then we went a step further. We doubled the child tax credit and made it refundable. By doing that, more parents had more resources to make the decisions how to take care of their family. The one thing we should do is let the American people keep their money. When that happens, the greatest opportunities rise from the ashes. Okay, I need to jump 15 in here. seconds. Go ahead. I and never going to the border. Ilya, Ilya mischaracterized a part of my view. I think this artificial division is unhelpful in our party. The real divide is not between the Republicans on this stage. And in the Reagan Library, I want to say these are good people on this stage. The real divide is between the majority of us in this country who love the United States of America and share our founding ideals free speech, meritocracy, okay. the idea you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character, and the fringe minority in the Democrat Party that has a chokehold over that party. That's the real divide. Right. So this populist versus classical debate and is artificial. Ilya? We need to unite this party. We are going to talk about immigration and the border and We have all these questions. We're going to get to you. We're going to come back to you. There's a lot of time. For <laughs> They're not calling on Doug. In North Dakota, we Sir. knew that we knew that the cliff was coming. <laughs> we knew that there was going to be millions of people without it. And so, guess what? We planned. Okay. And when we we pa we passed legislation because child care. We will get, we will is, get you some questions, but you're going to. This is so awkward. infrastructure. And I haven't given a chance to In 1984, President Ronald Reagan said the following idea of amnesty for those who have put down roots and who have lived here even though some time back uh, they they may have entered illegally two years later president reagan granted amnesty to nearly three million immigrants something no democrat or republican president has done since governor christie as governor of a non-border state in 2010 you supported a path to citizenship but when you ran for president in 2016, you flipped, saying immigrants should be tracked like FedEx packages. Where do you stand now on a path to citizenship for 11 million 
Not calling on Doug. Feel bad. <laughs> no one has done anything since we first had this discussion 13 years ago. We're not in a position to be able to do any of that anymore. What we have to do now is first treat this like the law enforcement problem it is. Our laws are being broken every day at the southern border. Every day. And Joe Biden and his crew is doing nothing about enforcing that law. They are letting it go. And by the way, they announced during the presidential race they were going to let it go. And we need to have a, go a president who acts like I did as governor, enforce the law first and foremost. And that means what I'll do on day one is sign an executive order to send the National Guard to partner with Customs and Border Patrol to make sure that we stop the flow of fentanyl over the border, but also to make sure that we send a much different message. We want you here in this country, the six million vacant jobs we have, but only if you come here to follow and only if you come here legally. Here illegally, we will apprehend you and we will send you back across the border from which you came. And the fact is that until we set a law and order agenda in this country, not only now, but in the future, we won't, we won't be able to continue this. And I'll, look, I'll tell you this, Donald Trump failed on this as well. He said he was gonna build a wall across the whole border. He built 52 miles of wall and said Mexico would pay for it. Guess what? I think if Mexico knew that he was only gonna build 52 miles, they might've paid for the 52 miles. Thank you, Governor. All right, Governor Haley. Most illegal immigrants right. are coming from countries south of the border. You've seen the Fox News drone. It's captured this steady stream of people coming into the country on a daily basis. In fact, I think, believe we have a live picture of it tonight. That is happening right now, live. In the last decade, the U.S. has spent nearly $55 billion to address the root causes of migration. But crime, poverty, and corruption, they persist, and the number of migrants is only growing. Are we wasting our money? Well, what happens is when Joe Biden waved the green flag, it told everybody to come. And now we've seen six million people cross the border. We've had more fentanyl that have killed Americans in the Iraq, Vietnam, or Afghanistan wars combined, we need to make sure that we are a country of laws. The second we stop being a country of laws, we give up everything this country was founded on. So we have to secure the border. The way we do that is, first of all, defund sanctuary cities. You see what's happening in Philadelphia right now. It's got to stop. We need to make sure we put 25,000 more Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. I spent 400 miles down that border, and I'm telling you, Border Patrol agents aren't allowed to do their job. Let's go back to remain in Mexico policy. Instead of catch and release, let's go to catch and deport. What about, and the, let's aid that we've been, what about the aid that federal taxpayers are paying to deal with the root causes? It's not working. The or only aid that we should be spending right now is to secure the border, the southern border, the northern border, period. We need to keep to Americans safe. And right now, Americans are not safe. Only when we fix the immigration system, only when we get the border secure, should we ever look at putting any more money into this. Our money should be about keeping Americans safe. We're not doing that. Joe Biden's not doing that. And you mentioned Congress and, and shutting down government. I'll make it clear. We have to change the budget process in four years, in 40 years. Congress has only delivered a budget on time four times in 40 years. Right. If they don't keep the government open, they should not get paid. No pay, no budget. That's the way we Governor, should Governor DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, we have a question for you. Governor DeSantis, China 
invested $12 billion in Latin America just last year. They signed strategic partnerships with seven countries, including Mexico. And China's military ties to the region now include arms sales and training exercises. Are you comfortable with China deepening ties with our southern neighbors? Of course not. And the reason why we're in this mess is because elites in D.C. for far too long have chosen surrender over strength when it comes to the CCP. Some people in our country got rich, our industrial base got hollowed out, and they have been able to build the second most powerful military in the entire world. We need a totally new approach to China. We are going to have real hard power in the Indo-Pacific, like Reagan, to deter their ambitions. We're going to have economic independence from China, where we're decoupling our economy. And we are going to go after the cultural power they have in this country. As governor of Florida, I ban the CCP from buying land in our state. We should do that all across these United States. We shouldn't have them in our universities. We shouldn't have Confucius Institutes. So what you see a country in decline, our power's in decline. China's going to surpass us this decade. And if they do that, that's going to affect every single American household. As your president, I am not going to let that happen. I'm going to reverse this country's decline. We are going to choose strength, not surrender when it comes to the CCP. America's not, America not a country in decline. Under Joe Mr. Biden, Mr. we are a country you in retreat. Propose, quote, Tim Scott has interrupted like three times. And their children, even if the children are citizens of the United States, under what legal premise will you expel U.S. citizens? So the first thing I want to say is I agree with everything. The Republicans on the stage are on the right side of this issue. Militarize the southern border, stop funding sanctuary cities, and end foreign aid to Mexico and Central America to end the incentives to come across. But I do go a step further. You're right about that, Ilya. I favor ending birthright citizenship for the kids of illegal immigrants in this country. Now, the left will howl about the Constitution and the 14th Amendment. The difference between me and them is I've actually read the 14th Amendment. What it says is that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the laws and jurisdiction thereof are citizens. So nobody believes that the kid of a Mexican diplomat in this country enjoys birthright citizenship. Not a judge or legal scholar in this country will disagree with me on that. Well, if the kid of a Mexican diplomat doesn't enjoy birthright citizenship, then neither does the kid of an illegal migrant who broke the law to come here. And as the father of two sons, it is hard for me to look them in the eye and say, you have to follow the law when our own government fails to follow its own laws. That's how we really go the distance and solve this problem and restore the rule of law in the United States of America, because that is part of what it even means to be an American. Senator Scott, you oppose ending He's very good with words, very articulate. That when you think of the Constitution and the 14th Amendment, it was certainly written as it relates to slavery, not as it relates to illegal immigration. It's been applied to illegal immigration. So the challenge that we face is, in fact, one that has to do with whether or not the people that come here are under the jurisdiction of our laws. And frankly, if you come here illegally, you are not. Now, surviving a Supreme Court argument is something I can't tell you. But from a perspective of the Constitution, I think it's simple that it was designed for slavery and not for illegal immigration. I'll go one step further, though. When we have a conversation about the things that are happening on this stage, we think about the fact that Vivek just said we were all good people. And I appreciate that because last debate, he said we were all bought and paid for. And I thought about that for a little while and said, you know, I can't imagine.
Here we go. Oh, what happened? One of the challenges we should have a focus on the issues that matter. We know this in China. Everybody knows that. If I may focus on holding Joe Biden accountable, that's what we need to be. I actually agree with Ron DeSantis. Speak at the same time. No one can understand. Exactly. So, if I may, I agree with Ron DeSantis on China. When every other CEO expanded into the Chinese market, you know what I did with my first company? We opened a subsidiary in China. But you know what I did that was different than every other company? We got the hell out of there. And when I started my yeah, next right company, you ran Strive, right when, no, years ago, right when I started my next company, Strive, to compete against BlackRock, excuse me, no, no. to compete against it's BlackRock, I made a commitment that we would never do business in China. And I will say something. Yes. I think you have more than time to explain your point. Well, if I, I was interrupted by a lot of people here, and I want to be respectful because I believe these people. You were respectful last bit. But I do not believe in these. We're sitting here in the Reagan Library. Yes, I wish you did not. In honor of Ronald Reagan's library, if I may, from one, Tim, from one admirer of Ronald Reagan to another. Seems like he's not letting me answer on purpose. Let's have a policy debate. What's going on? Let us have a policy debate. Let's have a policy debate. And the right answer is we need to declare independence from China. And I will see that through. Vice President Pence, in 2017, the Trump Pence administration canceled DACA which put the legal status of 600,000 DREAMers in the hands of the courts. DREAMers work and they pay taxes. As president, if the Supreme Court ends DACA, would you work with Congress to reach a permanent solution for DREAMers? Well, first, let me say I'm glad, I'm glad Vivek uh, pulled out of his business deal in 2018 in China. That must have been about the time you decided to start voting in presidential elections. So. <laughs> We're nice to have you participating in elections. So let me. Let wow, me they're all going after him. Interesting. One, um, I negotiated the remain in Mexico policy with the with the Mexican government. Uh, we used economic power to bring the Mexican government to the table. Uh, we built hundreds of miles of border wall. And despite what's said here today, uh, we reduced illegal immigration and asylum abuse by 90 percent. And as president of the United States, I can do it again. And the so truth is, we, the truth is, we need to fix a broken immigration system, and I'll do that as well. But first and foremost, a nation without borders is not a nation. And we have to secure the southern border of the United States of America. I know how to do it, and we will do it again. Let me say one other thing about China. Vice Let me say one other thing about China. Would you negotiate with Congress to give a solution to the problem that dreamers have right now? They are on a limbo. Well, let me tell you, I, I served in Congress for 12 years, although it seemed longer. <laughs> but, you know, something I've done different than everybody on this stage is I've actually I've actually secured reform in Congress. You know, you know, Ron, you talk a really good game about cutting spending, but you've increased spending in Florida by 30 percent. When I was a member of Congress in 2006, right after Hurricane Katrina, Dana, you remember it, we stood our ground. I led House conservatives. We cut $100 billion out of the federal 
budget. It can be done, but as I said in the last debate, I'll say again, this is no time for on-the-job training. I'm going to be ready on day one to get Congress to step up. But didn't he work for Trump, who's running? It's such a weird dynamic. The guy his record was with is running again. So bizarre. How will these candidates make America safer? As crime <laughs> they aren't calling on Doug. Debate night. All right. In moments. All right. Uh, that whole thing was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it does seem like the there were talking points given to a few of the candidates, Tim Scott, uh, Pence, uh, even DeSantis, perhaps, to go after Vivek. Uh, like out of nowhere, Tim Scott went after him. I'm not here to defend him, but it just seemed like he was told to target him with this China thing. And then when he did, and Vivek tried to answer, he kept going, did it, did it. you know, like when you're trying to talk and someone's like, did it, did it, did it. and they won't let you speak. It was almost like, you know, what, what politicians do, what Pelosi describes as you slander someone in the media and then, you know, you don't let them respond, basically. It seemed like they tried to do that in real time. It really felt like that. They, they slandered him, even if it's true. And then he tried to respond and like, bleh, 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 and they didn't let him respond. So it seemed like they tried to get a national TV hit piece going. Don't let him respond and just move on. And that's what people remember. Clearly, there was motivation to take him down on the global stage. That definitely seems to be true. Now, as far as the people they're calling on and how they're doing this structure, um, it's weird. It is very, very weird. Uh, very, very strange. Um, interesting. Oh, okay. We tried to share. We tried to do this live on Facebook, but. Uh, didn't uh it got taken down i guess it's a copyright infringement which is cool it's cool um so it seems like there was a intentional attack for sure uh doug bergam on the side is not being called on he's getting very frustrated tim scott's being called on a lot for whatever reason desantis isn't even being really called on how they're calling on the people are it's very weird it's very weird like i don't understand what order they're going in but whatever so uh doug's basically been allowed to say nothing uh vivek definitely was attacked and it seemed like it was it seemed like a donor gave tim scott a script to read that uh chris christie's there to bash trump and uh he's successfully doing that but we all know that's why he's there i don't know why he's there uh pence comes off as the most ridiculous person and when he says oh i you know not on the job training i'm gonna do it again i'm gonna do it well Everything you did is for the guy who's also running again. So if people loved what you did, why wouldn't they vote for your boss? I don't understand that. I really don't get that. You're, 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 you're saying you have this great record and it's fantastic, all this stuff. Well, the guy you worked for to get that record is literally in the race as well. So why would they vote for you? Wouldn't they vote for the guy who's really in charge of it? It's just weird, weird dynamic. Um, and, uh, and the way DeSantis like was sly saying, yeah, we all know about, you know, Vivek's China deal is we just want to move on. He tried to do a little, a little jab and just move on. They clearly tried to just hit him and then not let him respond and move on. And they, they did a pretty decent job. And, you know, if you don't listen to this podcast or this show and you're really just watching that, 
Maybe it works. Maybe it worked. That's what the corporate press is there for. It's to take off anyone who may have a populist voice, which is why they ask that question as well. Is the problem populism, meaning the peasants, meaning you and I, just the average people, they want to blame it on the peasants. And they tried to do that and say, is it, is it, uh, uh, you know, is it the populist fault? Populism, populism is just a way to say the people who should be running the country, not the elites who are trying to dictate who gets elected through the corporate press. Now we're back live. Let's go back. And welcome back to the Reagan Library for the second Republican presidential debate. I do want to just remind everyone, there's one minute for questions, three seconds for a follow-up, and the more you mention each other, that means a fewer questions you're going to get. Okay, so we want to talk about crime. This has been a horrendous problem in our country. Fox News and others have been covering it. Governor Christie, crime in major cities is striking fear into the hearts of Americans. Just last night, looters took over the streets of Philadelphia. You said in the last debate that you would use U.S. attorneys to prosecute crimes. Local prosecutors won't, but they are stretched as well, and they could not handle all of the lawlessness, the shoplifting, all the carjackings, the armed robberies. They're all surging. They're calling on Christie a lot. were elected by their constituents, and they can't be fired by a president. So what would you do to end the revolving door of criminality? Well, look, Dana, I'm the only one on this stage who's done it. For seven years, I ran the fifth largest office in this country um, uh, at the U.S. Attorney's Office in New Jersey, and we set records for the number of prosecutions that we brought that still have not been broken. And the reason was that we went after the crime that was affecting people's lives. And as president, I will appoint an attorney general and instruct that attorney general that you are to put all the resources that are necessary to bring our cities back under control. The fact is they will be stretched. There's no doubt about that, but that's what they take the job for because they love the idea of enforcing the law. We've got to bring law and order back to this country and not just in our cities, but we need law and order back everywhere. We need law and order back in our suburbs. People are threatened there. We need it in our rural areas. People feel threatened there. And we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. I want to ask Do Governor DeSantis, you fired <laughs> a couple of prosecutors so in your state. I mean, sorry, as president, you would not have the ability to do that. How do you think about dealing with the root causes of crime, especially this revolving door of the criminals that just get out and come back and commit another crime? Well, the crime in these cities is, is one of the strongest signs of the decaying of America. We can't be successful as a country if people aren't even safe uh, to live in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco. Just being in Southern California over the last couple of days, my wife and I have met three people who have been mugged on the street. And that would have never happened 10 or 20 years ago. In Florida, we back the blue. We support the men and women of law enforcement. They are keeping us safe. We have a 50-year low in the crime rate. And yes, when I had two progressive prosecutors that weren't following the law in Florida, 
I removed him from their posts and the people of Florida are safer as a result of it. As president, I will use the Justice Department to bring civil rights cases against all of those left-wing Soros-funded prosecutors. We're not going to let them get away with it anymore. We want to reverse this country's decline. We need to choose law and order. Over this clip is going to be used on, on MSNBC subject. and stuff. If he's going to weaponize the DOJ. Mark my words. Policing shortage. Retirements are up. Recruitment is in the tank. Morale is at a record low. Three years ago, you signed a pledge to support law enforcement. Now, pledges are a nice idea, but what's your actual plan to get more police on our streets? Well, and I actually did it in South Carolina, too. You know, what we knew in South Carolina was you take care of those who take care of you. We have to start taking care of law enforcement, but it's not just taking care of them with words. It's making sure that you also follow through on what they do. Right now, we have a lot of stolen guns on the street. Well, these law enforcement officers, they arrest these people, and then they go and they're let out the very next day. So law enforcement feels like they don't, no one has their back. We have to start prosecuting according to the law. We have to make sure we have the backs of law enforcement, and we have to make sure that we're a country of law and order. But I want to go back to China because I don't think we spent enough time on that. Right now, we have to look at what government's doing to hurt us against China, too. You have a company, U.S. Antibiotics, that produces amoxicillin, the number one antibiotic that we need. And right now, there is a company in Bristol, Tennessee, that produces that. Yet our federal government only gets it from China. We need to be focusing on companies that produce in America and supporting those companies that produce in America, not companies that are helping China. But why is it always big pharma companies? It's always big pharma. It affects all of us. Governor Bergam, for the first time ever, a Univision poll found that mass shootings and gun safety are most important issue for Latino voters. Mental health concerns are not unique to the United States, but gun violence is. What is your specific plan to curb gun violence. Well, they ask question has nothing to do with this platform. The liberal left is seems to be just completely bent on prosecuting law-abiding citizens that are gun owners because every solution they have to this is take away the Second Amendment rights of Americans and somehow that's going to solve the problem. But all these cities was, that we're talking about that showed the videos of tonight, they have some of the strictest gun laws in the country. So we know that that's not what's working. But what we have to do is get back to the core issues about the, the family. We have to get back to behavioral health and mental health. We've got to get back to actually enforcing the laws these people talked about. And and like we've done in North Dakota, where we're the, we've got the goal and we're on the track to be the most military-friendly state in the nation. We've got the most military and the most support of what we're doing in terms of law enforcement because the, the morale is down because we've been defunding the police, because they've been attacked in the press. The police have become the bad guys when they're the one. They, there's all these jobs available in America. Why would you be a policeman if people don't even respect them? Every time I see a policeman, the first thing I say is thank you. And so does everybody else in my family and mo most of the people in our state because they know we have to respect the people that are out there defending us every single day. Mr. Ramaswamy, according to Customs and Border Protection, about 90% of fentanyl is seized at official border crossings, and 57% of the smugglers are U.S. citizens. How would you stop fentanyl brought into the country, mostly by U.S. citizens, through ports of entry? There's two sides to this, and we have to be very honest about it. One is we do have to seal that southern border. Building the wall is not enough. 
They're building cartel-financed tunnels underneath that wall. Semi-trucks can drive through them. We have to use our own military to seal the Swiss cheese of a southern border. But we also have to be honest. There's a demand-side problem in this country, too, a mental health epidemic. I met family in Iowa, two parents, Kathy and Derek. They lost their son, Sebastian, 17 years old. He bought Percocet on Snapchat, and then he died. Why did he die? Because it was laced with fentanyl. That is closer to bioterrorism, not a drug overdose. That is poisoning. So it is our job to make sure that never happens. But it's also our job to make sure that 17-year-olds don't turn to Percocet via Snapchat. We have to bring back mental health care in this country, not with pumping pharmaceuticals, but with faith-based faith approaches that restore purpose and meaning in the next generation of Americans. Many of them are getting it through social media. And this isn't a Republican point or a Democrat point, but if you're 16 years old or under, you should not be using an addictive social media product, period. This is something that we can both agree on and we can revive both the mental health of this country while stopping the fentanyl epidemic that will kill more people this year than who died on 9-11. And I refuse to be a passive bystander sitting in the White House like the hollowed out husk of a current president we have. We will step up and address this problem to stand for Americans and our children. Vice president, why are you encouraging TikTok? Quit encouraging TikTok. That is why, that is why, everything he said I agree with, that is why, as commander in chief, I'm going to use the U.S. military to go after the Mexican drug cartels. They are killing our people. And the stories that I've seen. He before, loves that. We had an Stone cold months, dead. Parents rented an Airbnb. And apparently the people that had rented it before were using drugs. The infant was crawling. The toddler was crawling on the carpet and ingested a fentanyl residue yep. and died. Are we just going to sit here and let this happen, this carnage happen in our country? I am not going to do that. So I guarantee you on day one, this border is going to be a day one issue for me as president. We're going to declare it a national march. Yes, we'll build the wall. We'll do remain in Mexico. But those Mexican drug cartels are going to be treated like the foreign right, terrorist organizations that they are. All right, Vice President Pence. And we're going to move on to a different issue. Hold on, Vice President Pence. Just dollars. last month, Vice President Pence, you said if elected, you would Pence repeal always all Obamacare mandates. However, you also made that same promise in 2016. And at that time, Trump Pence had congressional majorities for at least the first two years, and you did not deliver on that promise. So Obamacare right now, it is more popular than ever. Why should Americans trust you if you become president to fix that? Or is Obamacare here to stay? Well, first, let me speak to the mass shootings issue, and then I'll answer that question. It's an important one, Dana. Look, I'm someone that believes that justice delayed is justice denied. And as a father of three, as a, I'm sick and tired of these mass shootings happening in the United States of America. And if I'm president of the United States, I'm going to go to the Congress of the United States and we're going to pass a federal expedited death penalty for anyone involved in a mass shooting so that they will meet their fate in months, not years. It is unconscionable that the, <laughs> the, uh, the Parkland shooter, Ron, is actually going to spend the rest of his life behind bars in Florida. That's not justice. We have to mete out justice and send a message to these would-be killers that you are not going to live out your days behind bars. You're going to meet that. justice in this system. But does that mean Obamacare is here to stay? So off topic. <laughs> so off topic. 
so well, thank weird. Thank you for reiterating the question because I'd love to answer it. Look, I, I think it's one of the choice. I think it's one of the choices here. You know, my former running mate, Donald Trump, actually has a plan to start to consolidate more power in Washington D.C. Consolidate more power in the executive branch. If I'm president of the United States, it's my intention to make the federal government smaller by returning to the states those resources and programs that are rightfully theirs under the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. That means all Obamacare funding, okay. all housing funding, all HHS funding, all of it goes back to the states. We'll shut down the Federal Department of Education. We'll allow states to right. innovate. We're going to revive federalism in America, and states are going to help bring sure America back. Stu, go ahead. May I remind everyone to keep within that time frame so that we can get as many questions in as possible? This question for, this question for Governor DeSantis. Over 26 million Americans can, don't have insurance coverage. Governor DeSantis. Two and a half million of them are in your state. That's worse than the national average. Can Americans trust you on this? Well, I think this is a symptom of our overall economic decline. Everything has gotten more expensive. You see insurance rates are going through the roof. People that are going to get groceries. I spoke with a woman in Iowa and she said, you know, for the first time in my life, uh, I'm having to take uh, things out of my grocery cart when I get to the checkout line because the, the total goes up so quickly. Sure. So this is very real and people are hurting out there. So we've got to address the underlying problem with Bidenomics, the overspending, taking all Biden's rules and regulations. I'm going to throw them in the trash can on day one. You're not going to have to worry about that. We're going to open up all of our energy. We will be energy dominant in this country that will lower your gas prices. And what we need to do with healthcare is recognize our health care is putting patients at the back of the bus. We have big pharma, big insurance, and big government, and we need to tackle that and have more power for the people and the doctor-patient relationship. Governor, why is your record in Florida on insurance worse than the national average? It's not, it's our, our state's a dynamic state. We've got, we've got a lot of uh, folks that come. Of course, we've had a population boom. We also don't have uh, a lot of welfare benefits in Florida. You know, we're basically saying we want to, this is a field of dreams. You can do well in the state, but we're not going to be like California and have massive numbers of people um, on government programs without work requirements. We believe you work and you got to do that. And so that goes for all the welfare benefits. And you know what that's done, Stuart? Our unemployment rate is the lowest amongst any big state. We have the highest GDP growth amongst any big state. And even CNBC, no fan of mine, ranked Florida the number one economy in America. On the topic of healthcare, Governor Haley, healthcare is the leading cause of bankruptcy for American families, accounting for two thirds of all personal bankruptcies. As president, how you protect Americans who get sick from financial ruin? First of all, how can we be the best country in the world and have the most expensive health care in the world? We have an issue. My mom was in the hospital, and when she was in the hospital, they tried to bring her a couple of Tylenol, and she said, I don't need it. And they said, honey, go ahead and take it because you're paying for it anyway. Why is it that when we got the bill, the insurance company in the hospital negotiated the bill for her without her having anything to do with it? When I am president, we will break all of it, from the insurance company to the hospitals to the doctor's offices to the PBMs to the 
pharmaceutical companies. We will make it all transparent because when you do that, you will realize that's what the problem is. Second thing is you've got to deal with tort law. The lawyer, the doctors don't give you the 10 tests because they want to. It's because of the 90% chance they'll get sued. And then we need to bring competition back to healthcare, get rid of certificate of need systems, and make sure that they can compete. We have to put the patient in the driver's seat. They've been in the back seat for way too long. And once we give the patient the ability to decide their health care, deciding which plan they want, that is when we will see magic happen. But we're going to have to make every part of the industry open up and show us where their warts are, because they all have them, and we need to fix this on behalf of the Governor American Bergman, people. That's what we do. We've definitely been good in the debates. I mean, it's a good response, for sure. The real problem. For the average person, they'll love that. We have the most expensive health care in the world. It's because the federal government got involved the same way they did with EVs, and they said, we're going to subsidize a particular kind of software back in 2008 under Obama. And they said, hey, we're going to do this. It's going to make everyone more productive. Whoa. All of you that are watching have been to a doctor's office when the doctor's got his back to you and their hands on a keyboard. The the only industry in the world that's ever absorbed $1 trillion of IT and became less productive, they saw less patients per day, is U.S. healthcare because of they were subsidizing a certain kind of technology. It wasn't, it wasn't about improving healthcare. It was about picking winners and losers. Every time the federal government's involved, whether it's higher education, okay. healthcare, or now the auto industry, things get more expensive and less competitive. That was a great transition. So he's talking about Epic, which Bill Gurley just did a speech on, which we played What's a couple episodes ago a on the All In Summit. Second Republican debate on. So that's actually crazy. I bet you a lot of people are watching that who watched the All In Summit. Well, Bill, Bill Gurley is a top venture capitalist, if not the top venture capitalist of all time, did this great speech, like 2000, it's called like 2069 miles or something, basically how far San Fran is from DC. And he did a, a whole thing about regulatory capture. And his one main example, one of the two main examples was Epic the software, healthcare software, that basically the CEO was hired by the Obama administration. The, the government forced uh, uh, doctors to use the software and they got paid to use it. It was total corruption, didn't help anything. And that was one of his examples of regulatory capture. I don't know if Doug saw that or watched that, but he was referencing exactly that. And this Bill Gurley speech went viral just recently. And so I think a lot of people who are watching this, it clicked right away. They're like, wow. He's talking about the same exact thing. We do know about this corruption, and it was. He's a hundred percent right. He, it, you should look into what what he was just talking about. So that was actually a really, really good example. Um, that was only the second time he was allowed to talk, by the way. So listen, we feel bad for the guy, but he's only gotten two chances to talk. He's just itching to talk. Um, it's been sloppy. It's been weird. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a show. It is a show. Again, you don't even have the guy who's really leading, you know, there, uh, you know, present. Uh, Pence is a weirdo. I don't know why he's there. I don't know who's watching this. Like, oh, my God, I love that guy. I can't wait for him to be president. Or Chris Christie, like, oh, every other sentence is Trump, 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 Trump. My God, he should just be on social media. He would crush it on X. I mean, that's all he needs to do. Trump this, Trump that. Okay, we got it. We got it, buddy. Uh, DeSantis, more, a little bit more focused on policy. Ramaswamy, more focused on policy. You know, uh, uh. And Nikki Haley is is more uh, focused on policy. And I think the average voter is impressed by Nikki Haley. I do think that she has performed well for the average person in both of these debates. You got to give it to her. I don't care if you agree or disagree. We don't assess like, oh, you know, like, you know, you know, her policy here. Suck. Like I can just tell the way she's talking, articulating her vision. The average person, the average voter that's watching this is like, it's pretty solid. Very good. I trust her. She's very eloquent. She's very well spoken.
There's no question people are thinking that. So these have really boosted her. I can see you're getting another boost, actually, uh, from this debate, for sure. I could definitely see that. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's just say that. Um, uh, Vivek, uh, when he gets the answer, has been pretty solid, for sure. Uh, definitely been pretty solid. Uh, he gets, um, you know, he's really trying to emphasize the vision of meaning, and that's the core of all the issues. But he's very articulate. Um, they attacked him early. I think he's been pretty good. I think DeSantis has been pretty good. Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Chris Christie got to go. Doug Burgum, got to give the guy a couple more times to speak. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd like to see him speak a little bit more before I decide. But Nikki Haley could stay up there. DeSantis stay up there. Ramaswamy stay up there. Um, would really love to see more of a focused debate and get, get Pence is just weird. I don't know. It's weird. And everything he says is just bizarre because the guy he worked for is also running. So you would just, if you love the policy so much, you might want to vote for the boss, not the vice president. Weird. Okay. It is, it is weird. Um, you know, they try to get spicy and attack each other, but overall it's just kind of a blah type debate. I'm sure you're not too impressed. We're not too impressed. Um, they're saying pretty stereotypical stuff, everything that we expect them to say. Um, but uh, I think as of right now, as it stands, the average person watching this will say, I think they're actually going to say Nikki Haley's doing the best, then DeSantis, then Ramaswamy, then Chris Christie, then Mike Pence, and then Doug Burgum. That's my guess as people see it right now. Now, based on what I think, not not me thinking for the average person, but just on me. Um, I think Vivek's done the best. I think DeSantis is second. I think Nikki is third. Um, oh, I forgot Tim Scott. Tim Scott was like last on the previous one. I think, uh, wow, he, Tim Scott hasn't spoken for quite a while, actually. I haven't heard him speak in like the last 20 minutes, it feels like. Totally forgot about him. Uh, so wait, wait. Vivek, DeSantis. Nikki, uh, Doug, Christy, no, no, Doug, Tim Scott, Christy, Mike Pence. But that's not me saying what the average person is thinking. That's just my view. All right, I think we're back live. So let's let's go back. Let's shoot back to uh, the debate. Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in the Air Force One Pavilion for the second Republican debate. And let's get back to our questions. Governor Haley, American students, they are in academic trouble. They have lower scores in math and reading. There's chronic absenteeism. That's at record highs. And this has even been called education homicide. You say school choice is the answer, but South Carolina, your home Good topic, state, still has not enacted universal school choice, and even the current expansion won't be fully implemented until 2027. Parents can't wait four years for a fix. So what would you do right now? Well, and school choice isn't the only answer, but I'll tell you it's not out of a lack of trying that we didn't try and get school choice in South Carolina. 
What I'll tell you, first of all, is we have to acknowledge the fact that 67% of our eighth graders are not proficient in reading or math. Over 80% of our eighth graders aren't proficient in history or civics. And recently they came out and said our 12 and 13 year olds are scoring at the lowest levels they've been scoring in reading and math in decades. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to make sure we catch our kids back up. We have to make sure they can read. A child that can't read by third grade is four times less likely to graduate high school. We need to do reading remediation. We need complete transparency in the classroom. No parent should ever wonder what's being said or taught to their child in the classroom. We need to make sure that we have school choice so that there's competition. We need to move all the programs from the federal government down to the state and let states decide what education looks like in their states. Right. And we need to start building things in America again. Let's put vocational classes back in our high schools and let's get our kids building the things that we know that we can make. When we start to focus on that and really bring in that parental involvement, that's when we'll start to see a difference. But we've got to get parents back included. We've got to quit spending time on this DEI and CRT and instead focus on financial literacy, on digital literacy, and on making sure that our kids know what they need to do to have the jobs of the next generation. On the subject of education, on the subject of education a question from Draper loved that. Students in your state are getting high marks on their report cards, but minorities are not doing well with math and reading. Black and Hispanic students averaging 29 points lower than white students in New Jersey. Would you address minorities first? You have to address all students. And look, in our state, Stuart, frankly, before I was governor, that gap was close to 50%. And what we did was institute more charter schools and more Renaissance schools and more public school choice in New Jersey with innovative solutions in cities like Camden, where now we took what was the worst school district in America during my time, and we have now increased that by nearly 40% in terms of their proficiency. It can be done when you give people choice. But let's tell the truth to everybody about what this is. This public school Trump's system fault. is no longer run by the public. It is run by the teachers unions in this country. Randy Weingarten and her crew are absolutely strangling. They are taking the worst of their members and defending them rather than advocating for our kids. And when you have the President of the United States sleeping with a member of the teachers union, there is no chance that you could take the stranglehold away from the teachers union every day. They have an advocate inside the White House every day for the worst of their teachers, not for our students to be the best they can be. A President of the United States has to take on the teachers union. I did it in New Jersey and I will do it. As president of the Who's sleeping States. with who? Governor DeSantis, I have a question for you. Governor DeSantis, I have a question for you. Florida's new Black History curriculum says, quote, slaves develop skills which in some instances oh could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, we are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars. So we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. 
Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. Florida represents the revival of American education. We're ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. My wife and I, we have a six, five, and three-year-old. This is personal to us. We didn't just talk about universal school choice. We enacted universal school choice. We didn't just talk about parents' bill of rights. We enacted the parents' bill of rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics in the Constitution, in our schools, in a really big way, just like President Reagan asked for in his family. Florida is showing how it's done. We're standing with parents, and our kids are benefiting. You oppose to these new standards. What is your message for Governor DeSantis? There, there, is, not, there is not a redeeming quality in slavery. He and Kamala should have just taken the one sentence America has suffered because of slavery, but we've overcome that. We are the greatest nation on earth because we faced our demons in the mirror and made a decision. So often we think that all the issues, you talked about crime and education and healthcare, we always think that those issues go back to slavery. Here's the challenge though. Black families survived slavery. We survived poll taxes and literacy tests. We survived discrimination being woven into the laws of our country. What was hard to survive was Johnson's Great Society, where they decided to put money, where they decided to take the black father out of the household to get a check in the mail. And you can now measure that in unemployment, in crime, in devastation. If you want to restore hope, you've got to restore the family, restore capitalism, and put Americans back at work together as one American family. Our nation continues to go in the right direction. It's why I can say I have been discriminated against, but America is not a racist country. Never, ever doubt who we are. We are the greatest country on God's green earth. And frankly, the city on the hill needs a brand new leader. And I'm asking right. for your vote. I'm going to have a question for you, Mr. Ramaswamy. Over 10.7 million students in over 18,000 public schools nationwide have the ability to change their identity without parental notification. Governor Christie told Stewart last week that he would pass a federal law to protect parental rights. Would you try to do the same? I have to be very clear about this. Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. I met two young women early in this campaign. On parental rights in school. Parents have the right to know. And you know what the hypocrisy of this is? Even New Hampshire failed to actually get past a piece of legislation here. The very people who say that this increases the risk of suicide are also the ones saying that parents don't have the right to know about that increased risk of suicide. And I'm sorry, it is not compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion. That is not compassion, that is cruelty. I met two young women, Chloe and Katie, early in this campaign who are in their 20s now regret getting double mastectomies and a hysterectomy. One of them will never have children. And the fact that we allowed that to happen in this country is barbaric. So I will ban genital mutilation or chemical castration okay, under the age of 18. And parents in, in, have absolutely the right. Would you try right. to pass a federal law that says parents should have that right?
We are going to require yes. states absolutely okay. have to follow that through. In your state, this is you do not have a law that says parents can't be notified, but you want to be president. Would you try to pass a federal law to say parents have that right? I think this is a state's issue, but I do want to say something because all night long we've been talking about issues about how it's broken in Washington. And I respect all of the people on the stage here for their 100 plus years of public service. Thank you. But the reason why we're not talking about education or health care or safety being a problem in North Dakota is because we have a business leader. I've got more experience as a business leader than I think this whole group combined. I know I've created more jobs than everybody else on stage, thousands of high paying jobs that have real meaning. So as a business leader, you come in and you treat the taxpayer like a customer. So in North Dakota, instead of fighting with the teachers unions, we actually created a K-12 coordinating council. Everybody gets in the room and the customer is but the student. But you do understand that this is an issue that many people in America really are concerned about, worried about, about parents and notification and schools. Yes, and that's why we have 50 platforms of innovation. That's why we have states. There are certain things the federal government is supposed to do. It's not the Department of Education that needs to be assembled. We've got to move it back to states. Do what we did in North Dakota. Instead of like, oh, here's a choice school and here's an old here's an old school, the old way with the teachers union and the kids are trapped. We made every school in North Dakota an innovation school. Every school got out from under the red tape and the things that, that help teach the values that we're trying to get, like 4-H, okay. like FFA, like Boy Scouts, they can get credit for all of that stuff. And by the way, North Dakota is now at the top of the median SAT scores in the country right now. Vice President Pence, the Department of Homeland Security warns that violence against LGBTQ plus people is on the rise and intensifying. According to a recent study, members of that community are nine times more likely to be victims of violent hate crimes. I wish they referenced this study. President, how would you protect this community from violent attacks and discrimination? Oh boy. Well, as President of the United States, I'll... I'll stand up for the safety uh, and the civil liberties of every American from every background. And I want the American people to know that. But I want to answer the question as well, Dana, that you just asked Doug Burke. Because by way of full disclosure, Chris, you mentioned the president's situation. I'm, my wife uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I've, I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. And um, so full disclosure. Look, education is a state and local function. The state of Indiana had one of the very first school choice programs in the country. And when I was governor of the state of Indiana, we doubled it. And as to your question, Dana, let's, let's be very, very clear. Um, when, when the Linmar Community Schools in Iowa had a policy where you could, you had to have a permission slip from your parents to get a Tylenol, but you could get a gender transition plan without notifying your parents. I weighed in with a foundation. That's not bad policy, that's crazy. We're gonna stand up for the rights of parents and we're gonna pass a federal ban on transgender chemical or surgical surgery anywhere in the country. We've got to protect our kids from this radical gender ideology agenda and we've got to empower parents at the state level with, with the ability to choose where their kids go to school, whether it's public, private, parochial, or homeschool, you empower parents, and our schools will straighten up and reflect our values and focus on the basics faster than you could possibly imagine. Next subject. Can China. I just say one thing? China is, China, 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 China is investing. Now. If you talk over everybody, please we lose time. China is investing heavily in their tech companies. $280 billion every year on semiconductor research and development. 
That is one CHIPS Act per year. Governor DeSantis, you say companies like Google and Meta have too much power. Doesn't going after them give China an edge? No, I think you look at how our societies develop. They have huge amount of power over our society. They've cracked down on free speech. Uh, we're not saying you don't want them to do business, but you want it to be a free market. And right now they're monopolies. But this issue of China, I think, is really going to be fundamental. Uh, we have subcontracted out so much of our national needs to the CCP. We rely on them for a whole host of issues. We need to reshore and we need to decouple all those important industries. We need to get that back in the United States. They are our top geopolitical adversary by a country mile. Xi Jinping's got huge ambitions, not only in the Asia Pacific, but as you mentioned earlier in our region. Uh, but ultimately, we've got to beat them on the economy. Uh, and so that's what we'll do as president of the United States. Governor Christie, I wanted to follow up on this because 22% of American workers fear their jobs will be lost to a robot. And you said in the past that you, the free market is the way to go. Would you retrain workers who lose a job to artificial intelligence and to do what? Well, look, what I think artificial intelligence offers us is an extraordinary opportunity to expand well beyond the productivity that we have now and to have Americans be able to involve, be involved in that revolution, Dana. You know, each time we have shown incredible innovation and progress in this country, what we've done with it is to expand all kinds of new, even unthought of opportunities for folks. Yes, we have to do retraining for folks who lose some of their jobs, and we should be doing that. And we should have more training available both at the county college level and the local level for people to be able to access it. So yes, I would be in favor of that. But this is a much bigger issue than that. We can't be afraid of innovation. America has been the great innovator of this world over the last 250 years, a technological innovator, a manufacturing innovator, and a freedom and governmental innovator. And that's why America has to continue to stand strong in the world, pro-innovation, pro-progress. And I will tell you this, as President of the United States, what I will do is to make sure that every innovator in this country gets the government the hell off its back and out of its pocket so that it can innovate and bring great new inventions to our country that will make everybody's lives better. Mr. Ramaswamy, TikTok is banned on government-issued devices because of its ties to the Chinese government. Yet you joined TikTok after dinner with boxer and influencer Jake Paul. <laughs> Should the commander in chief be so easily persuaded by an influencer? So the answer is I have a radical idea for the Republican Party. We need to win elections. And part of how we win elections is reaching the next generation of young Americans where they are. So when I get into office, I've been very clear. Kids under the age of social, under the age of 16, should not be using addictive social media. We're only going to ever get to declaring independence from China, which I favor, if we actually win. So while the Democrats are running rampant, reaching the next generation three to one, there's exactly one person in the Republican Party which talks a big game about reaching young people, and that's me. And let me level with all of you. I'm the new guy here, and so I know I have to earn your trust. What do you see? You see a young man who's in a bit of a hurry, maybe a little ambitious, bit of a know-it-all, it seems at times. I'm here to tell you, no, I don't know it all. I will listen. 
I will have the best people, the best and brightest in this country, whatever age they are, advising me. We will be probably many of the people on this stage included. That's how I built my companies. I want to be challenged. I want people who disagree with me. That's what makes America great because we're not a perfect Sir nation. Is, we're founded on the, the pursuit Chinese of perfection. Party, that is what makes America great. And that is why we will end it once we win this election. Uh, I have to jump. I, I have to jump in here. When, I'm sorry. I have, was was speaking. There's one person ahead, on this. This is infuriating because TikTok <laughs> is one of the most dangerous social media apps yes, that is. we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say because <laughs> I can't believe no, they hear they're going after the TikTok situation. What they're doing is these 150 million people are on TikTok. <laughs> that means they can get your contacts, they can get your financial information, they can get your emails. Let me just say, text messages, they can get all this is important. This is very important for our party. This is very important for our party, and I'm going to say you've gone and you've helped China build make medicines in China, not America. You now wanting kids to go and get on the social media that's dangerous for all of us. You went and you were in business with the Chinese that gave Hunter Biden five million dollars. We can't trust you. We can't trust you. We can't have TikTok and I think that we this is very important. Mr. Swami, you have 15 seconds. I think. Excuse me. You have 15 seconds, Mr. Ramaswamy. Thank you. I think we would be better served as a Republican Party if we're not sitting here hurling personal insults and actually have a legitimate debate I, I, about policy following Reagan's hey, 11th Commandment in his honor. And the answer is, that is what actually makes our country strong. And I believe, I believe in these people, these are good people on the stage. They disagree, but let's have a legitimate disagreement. That's what I would say. Stuart, can we Governor, get back to the question? The no, question we cannot. Governor DeSantis, I'm going straight. On this stage <laughs> Sir, we, we, we will have to cut your mic, and I don't want to do that. I don't. So, Governor DeSantis, <laughs> let me go to you. No, he's Experts not allowed to talk about Putin business. Has ordered assassinations across Europe. Wild. Cheated on arms control treaties with the U.S. and seeks to work with China to force our decline. President Reagan believed that if you want to prevent a war, you better be prepared to fight one. Today, the Republican Party is at odds over aid to Ukraine. The price tag so far is $76 billion. But is it in our best interest to degrade Russia's military for less than 5% of what we pay annually on defense, especially when there are no U.S. soldiers in the fight? It's in our interest to end this war, and that's what I will do as president. We are not going to have a blank check. We will not have U.S. troops, and we're going to make the Europeans do what they need to do. But they've sent money to pay uh, bureaucrats' pensions and salaries and funding small businesses halfway around the world. Meanwhile, our own country is being invaded. Uh, we don't even have control of our own territory. We have got to defend the American people before we even worry about all these other things. And I watch these guys in Washington, D.C., and they don't care about the American people. They don't care about the fentanyl deaths. They don't care about the communities being overrun because of this border. They don't care about the Mexican drug cartels. So as commander in chief, I will defend this country's sovereignty. That was a good answer. That was a good answer on topic. And 90% of the resources that we send over to Ukraine is guaranteed as a loan. It is not 90% of the money that we send over there is loan. Well, we can talk about this, but at the end of the day, 90% of the money that we send over there 
is actually We're in the form of a loan. It's not actually not be paid by Ukraine. It's paid by the yes. NATO, our NATO allies. So I think it's number a good one, topic. Two. I think it's a really topic good topic, too. But I will say, let's, t let's, let's debate the fact that our national vital interest is in degrading the Russian military. By degrading the Russian military, we actually keep our homeland safer, we keep our troops at home, and we all understand Article 5 of NATO. We have when to in level fact, with the American people. I, I thought and you said I something about waiting until your turn to I, talk. I so well, hold on. So at the point, end of the day, I'm going to finish my... I'll be happy to Go debate ahead and this. I'll respond. I'll, I'll be, look forward to this one right now. Um, so at the end of the day, when you think about the fact that if you want to keep American troops at home, the attack on NATO territory would bring us and our troops in. By degrading the Russian military, we reduce, if not eliminate, a ta an attack on NATO territory. If I, if I finish that exchange, we have to level with hey, the American people. We have to level with the American people on this issue. The reality is we just because just because Putin people. is not an e Putin's an evil dictator does not mean that Ukraine is good. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. A win that has for actually, Russia is a that win is not for China. We're driving Russia. Excuse me. Excuse me. If you have a chance, you'll have you'll have your chance in just a moment. Yeah. The hurling personal insults isn't helping. China is the real enemy, and we're driving Russia further into China's arms. We need a reasonable peace plan to end this, especially this is a country whose president just last week Vivek, was hailing Nazi if you let Putin have ranks. Ukraine, that's a and green light to China is, to take Taiwan. We need a peace plan comes plan through strength. We need a reasonable plan to peace. Governor Christie. The Communist Party of China is the real enemy. Governor Christie. They love war. Governor Christie, President Biden's first two years have brought China, Russia, and Iran closer together. Are we focused too much on Ukraine and not enough on this threat from the new world order? No, they're all connected, Stuart. They're all connected. The Chinese are paying for the Russian war in Ukraine. The Iranians are supplying more sophisticated weapons, and so are the North Koreans now as well with the encouragement of the Chinese. The naivete on this stage from some of these folks is extraordinary. Look. I understand people want to go and talk to Putin. Guess what? So did George W. Bush. So did Barack Obama. So did Donald Trump. And so did Joe Biden when he said a small invasion wouldn't be so bad. Every one of them has been wrong. And the fact of the matter is we need to say right now that the Chinese-Russian alliance is something we have to fight against, and we are not going to solve it by going over and cuddling up to Vladimir Putin. Look, Donald Trump said Vladimir Putin was brilliant and a great leader. This is the person who is murdering people in his own country and now not having enough blood, he's now going to Ukraine to murder innocent civilians and kidnap 20,000 children. And let me tell you, if you think that's where it's going to stop, if we give him any of Ukraine, next will be Poland. Right. This is a guy who said, no. wait one second, this is a guy in 1991 no. yeah. who said that was the darkest moment in world history when the Soviet Union fell. Listen, everybody, he wants to put the old band back together and only America can stop it. Right. And when I'm president, we will. When did he say that? I've never found him saying he wants the Soviet Union back together. To really like, or at least you have experience in it. And we need to talk about America's farmers because there is a foreign policy connection here. The U.S. and China are in this fierce economic competition. It's hurting American businesses. And there is blowback against American farmers because China then targets them in retaliation. How would you as president protect American farmers and ranchers from that kind of retaliation from a foreign government like China? 
Well, first of all, we've got the best farmers and ranchers in the world right here in America. If they have a level playing field, they can outcompete anyone in the world. But this is part of the larger issue that we're talking about here, which is we're in a cold war with China. The Biden administration won't admit that. But we're also in a economic war through the, what we're doing with agriculture and energy. And we're also in a war with them relative to cyber war. We get attacked every day in North Dakota, every state, every school district, our tribes all being attacked every day by either China, Russia, Iran or North Korea. And now we've got a Biden administration whose whole policy is appeasement. They're out there, you know, creating the world, making it less safe. Six billion dollars they traded for five people. They've just now set a price on anyone's head who's a tourist from America, who's a student from America for a kidnapping. If you want more kidnapping, put a price on it. And then that's and they're also helping Iran get to have more closer to nuclear weapon, which pushes all of the Middle East closer to China and Russia. The whole thing is absurd. And then, of course, we're going to give Ukraine to Russia, and then we're going to give Taiwan to China and think that's a foreign policy. That will make our nation less less successful, make us more poor. And at the core of all that is energy policy because China imports 10 million barrels of oil a day. They're the largest import in the world. And we've had four cabinet members from the Biden administration there this summer, and none of them talked about U.S. energy. The first one to go to each of those countries was Kerry to talk about the folly of the climate climate policy, which is making the world less stable. It's empowering dictators. It's not about climate change that we need worried about. It's about the Biden climate policies that are actually the existential threat to America's future. That was his first solid answer. Who supports sending U.S. military into the country, quote, scoundrels. Mexico is the United States' most important trade partner and border security. You say you will send special operations to attack the cartels in Mexico. So, this means boots on the ground, drone strikes? It means special operations. It's how we deal with our terrorists. And what you need to do is understand that Mexico is not being a good partner if we lost 75,000 Americans last year. Mexico is not being a good partner if they're letting the cartels get away with what they're getting away with. What we will do is we will make sure that we send in our special operations and we will take out the cartels, we'll take out their operations, we'll take out anything that's doing it. But we're going to go after China because China is the one sending the fentanyl in the first place. And we will end all normal trade relations until China stops sending fentanyl. And then we'll do the special operations and we'll get it from both sides. This is where President Trump went wrong. He focused on trade with China. He didn't focus on the fact that they were buying up our farmland. He didn't focus on the fact that they were killing Americans. He didn't focus on the fact that they were stealing $600 billion in intellectual property. He didn't focus on the fact that they put a spy base off our shores in Cuba. They didn't focus enough on the fact that all of our law enforcement drones in America are Chinese. And we've got all the these little surveillance cells. We need to start focusing on what keeps Americans safe. That hasn't happened in a long time. As your president, I will make sure every American is safe and we'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. All right. I want to get to Senator Scott. You're all auditioning for the job as president of the United States. You want to earn these votes. But the world's problems land in the Oval Office. During the presidential debates in the year 2000, Neither Al Gore nor George W. Bush was asked about Al-Qaeda. Yet, just one year later, Al-Qaeda's attack on September 11th claimed nearly 3,000 lives. And the farther we get from September 11th, the closer we are to September 10th. Senator Scott, you have no executive branch experience. What has prepared you to protect the nation from a major man-made national security crisis? 
One of the things I've had the good fortune of doing is serving on committees in the United States Senate, like the Senate Armed Services Committee, I'm on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, also on the Finance Committee and the Banking Committee. Talk about addressing the issue of fentanyl. I've written the legislation, passed it through the Banking Committee and the Senate that would freeze the assets and sanction the accounts of the Mexican cartels. There are weapons that we have within the arsenal that I was able to get past 23 to zero in the polarizing Senate as it is. I've also understood without question the fact that if you look at the details before 9-11, there was information and intelligence that was available that suggested an attack was coming. Having the right intelligence partners with us is key to making sure that we prevent the next 9-11 from ever happening. Having that experience for the last 10 years is really important in getting the job done. There's, uh, 30 seconds to you, Mr. Pence. Well, I think you asked a question about executive experience. I think it's vitally important. And I stand before you today as a candidate for president because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. And you hear the fire on the stage tonight. You hear the fire in all of our voices. And it's because Joe Biden is weak in this country at home and abroad. This is a time for those of us that have the experience, uh, the tested experience, and a commitment to the conservative agenda that Ronald Reagan brought forward in this party of a strong national defense, standing with our allies, standing up to our enemies, supporting limited government and traditional values, need to step forward. Understood. Because, frankly, our, our party does face a time for choosing, as they said at the top of this debate, whether we're going to stand on the foundation of that conservative agenda that Ronald Reagan poured, or whether we're going to follow the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles. I'm the most experienced, most qualified, and most consistent conservative in this field, and I'm ready to lead All America right. at home and abroad on day a one. It is time for choosing to go to a break. Ilya. We need to go to a commercial break where Reagan built a coalition that lasted decades. Can any candidates <laughs> do the same? We'll take that up. I don't know. This debate is definitely not as enjoyable as the first one. There's clearly some sort of agenda behind the scenes. Attack, attack Vivek. They all got the script. You know, get him out. He, he loves China, 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 China. Get him, you know, get him out of here. That was clearly handed down from the top. Pence is so boring. Chris Christie, you know the next word out of his mouth is Trump. Doug Burgum, you just feel bad for the guy. You feel really bad for the guy. She even felt, you could tell the host felt bad. The moderator, when she's like, I got a question for you, Doug, like, finally. And you're really going to like it because it's like about the economy because all he talks, his whole platform is business and the economy. You're going to really like this one, Doug. This is for you. She felt terrible because he's never gotten a chance to speak. And it was about the farmers. He was really excited about that. He did a good job answering it. But they're not giving him the time. That's where charisma matters. So it's a perfect example of someone that could have perfect policies, fantastic policies, Yet, if they don't have the charisma and they don't have that charm, it doesn't matter how great their policies are, how perfect they are, how much they help everybody. It doesn't matter. It's the storytelling. It's the energy. It's the way you present something, not what you present. He is the perfect prime example of that. But really, the energy in the room is off. It's just such, it's like watching ridiculousness, just watching, it's like, what is going on? It's awful. Uh, not enjoyable, such average stuff, you know, and the only attacks seem like they were planned and calculated attacks, particularly at Vivek. I mean, if you're watching this unbiased and apolitically like we are, clearly that was an agenda 
get Vivek, you know, uh, on this stage tonight. That was a huge thing. But there's no way this is going to have as many viewers as the other one. Um, just ridiculous. Uh, we I also saw I was looking up GOP debate on X and uh, the hashtag GOP debate and uh, what else is uh, Vivek's trending, Pence is trending, North Dakota's trending, Porky Pig is trending, <laughs> and uh, Valuetainment had this great video. Let's see if it. Kyle Kalinske is like saying a bunch of stuff, but he's ridiculous. Valuetainment, look at this. If you're watching this on Rumble or YouTube. They got a picture picture or a video in between uh, commercial breaks. Florida man exposes secret behind that sun-kissed glow at the GOP debate. <laughs> it's Nikki Haley just standing there and Ron DeSantis getting his makeup done right next to her. Like she's not even looking. She's just looking at the crowd, doing her thing. And he gets a nice little touch-up of his face. He sticks his head out, his neck out. It's so weird. It's like weird. He puts his neck forward. It's just so awkward. The whole thing's awkward. Um... Hardship is not a choice, but victimhood is. Uh, the whole thing's ridiculous. I don't know. I don't think the reviews off. The, there are a lot of things that are said that could be cut. I've already mentioned one of them. One of the things that uh, DeSantis said will be used on MSNBC and CNN tomorrow for sure. But overall, I don't know. Pretty average stuff. Not really that enjoyable. Not going to lie. Uh, we'll go another segment. We'll see how it is. And then we're going to wrap this thing up because, listen, it's just not. It's not as spicy. It's not that informative. I mean, I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, I'm just not impressed. Not impressed. Democracy. This is to save democracy. Oh, they're all getting back to their spot. I mean, really, what is there to take away from this? (laughs) I think they're all underperforming. I think every single one of them is underperforming. They all stink tonight. Stink. I think that how this is going is a win for Trump. That's how bad this is. Just by him not being there is if you're not present at this thing, you win. And so he's winning this debate. I think it's awful. I don't think it's that good. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the Republican primary debate here at the Reagan library. We've got a lot more issues to cover and a lot more questions to go. So let's dive right back in. We're here in California where gas is nearing $6 a gallon. Oil is close to $100 a barrel again. You say, drill, baby, drill. But the courts won't let you. Mr. Ramaswamy, how would you bring down prices without immediate drilling? Well, look, I think that we do have to run through the courts and get through that administrative state to make sure we're using the natural resources here at home. But here's the other thing that we can do that's easy. Forever, Mr. And it addresses the national debt as well as brings down prices. Put people back to work. We are using taxpayer money to pay people more to stay at home than to go to work. That is wrong. That contributes to our supply chain crisis. It contributes to inflation. That's the easiest way to unlock this economy. And here's the other thing. We have to put the Federal Reserve back in its place. This is an agency that has gone rogue. So in January 2026, when I have the opportunity as their next commander in chief, We will have a new chairman of the Federal Reserve who places priority on dollar stability and then most importantly, send packing 75% of the administrative state, reduce the federal employee headcount by 75%. 
rescind 50% of unconstitutional federal regulations that are shackling businesses, both large and small. I've offered a very clear, practical plan to do it. That's how we unleash the economy. That's how we revive the integrity of a three-branch constitutional republic, Vice rather President, than this technocracy and aristocracy in the administrative state. Response, please. I think one of the signature accomplishments of our administration was in just a few short years. We achieved uh, energy independence. We became a net exporter of energy for the first time in 75 years. But on day one, Joe Biden declared a war on energy, which was no surprise because when Joe Biden ran for president, he said he was going to end fossil fuels. And they've been working overtime to do that ever since. If I'm president of the United States, uh, we're going to open up federal lands. We're going to unleash American energy. We're going to have an all of the above energy strategy. And I have a plan that actually would not only reclaim energy independence, but in, in 2006, America lost our position as the leading energy producer on earth. I believe in the next 10 years with the right policies and an experienced leadership in the White House, we can reclaim our role as the leading energy producer on earth, and that'll grow the American economy for generations <laughs> to come. Why is Pence um, here? Haley, reaction to that, please. The only person who's leading an energy state, could I answer the energy question? No, uh, Haley. <laughs> so, you know, the first thing I'll say is what I saw at the United Nations is national sec energy security is national security. We need a president that understands we have to partner with our producers and make sure that they, we have their backs. What you don't need is a president who is against energy no. independence. Ron DeSantis is against fracking. He's against drilling. He's been against. You did it. Every he always talks about what happens on day one. You better watch out because what happens on day two is when you're in trouble. Day two in Florida, you banned fracking, you banned <laughs> offshore drilling, you did true. it on federal lands, and you took green subsidies that you didn't have to take. Governor DeSantis, you were mentioned true. you had the right to respond. Two. 30 seconds. Yeah. I just did a plan out in West Texas for American energy dominance. We're going to choose Midland over Moscow. We're going to choose the Marcellus over the Mullahs, and we're going to choose Bakken over Beijing, and we are going to lower your gas prices. We are going to get that job done because it's important for our national security. It's important for jobs, and that's one of the best ways to drive down inflation. Governor DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, this question is for you. Our voters enacted a constitutional you amendment. You banned it before they voted. Allow. No, it's not true. You they, banned it before no, they voted. And not you're, only that, you're not, you're not, wasn't, you're, they didn't vote on fracking. She's totally wrong. They voted it in. That's what we did. Onshore, we do do it in Florida. We don't have as much as maybe West Texas, but we do it. But that was a constitutional amendment. So that's just wrong. And let's just get real here. My plan will get the job done. You we are going to be energy dominant, and that's what's going to happen. The voters uh, didn't even vote on fracking. Moving on with this question for Governor DeSantis. Governor, excuse me, we cannot talk over each other. We must respect each other's time. My apologies for that. I'm ready, Governor DeSantis, this is your question. The Biden administration is hell-bent on student loan forgiveness, but you say colleges should be on the hook when graduates cannot pay their debt. How does that address the cost of college, how does that, the cost of college itself? Because the colleges are gonna to have to make a decision. Do we offer, do we expand the gender studies department? Knowing some of those graduates may not have great uh, learning opportunities, no. They're gonna focus on the things that really matter, 
They're going to make different choices. They're going to try to graduate people in four years. I also just want to come back to something Dana asked last segment about 9-11, because I was just at the 9-11 memorial with the families. My wife and I were invited. It's very touching to be there, and it affected my life because I ended up joining the military as a result of that. Um, I had been a blue-collar kid, minimum wage in Dunedin, Florida. I ended up getting through Yale and Harvard Law School and somehow came out more conservative than when I went in, and that is not easy to do. Had a lot of opportunities to, to make money, but I wanted to serve, and I'll never forget coming back on the plane from Iraq, uh, landing in Coronado, California, North Island, and feeling that breeze off the Pacific Ocean and say, you know what? I am lucky to have been born an American, and I think being able to serve, and I'll be the first president elected since 1988 who's actually served uh, overseas in a war, I think that's going to help me as commander-in-chief to know how you see these issues and understand that there are real lives at stake for people that wear the uniform. And we know that Governor Haley's husband is serving right now as well, and we thank him for that. Uh, Senator Scott, the national debt has nearly doubled in your time in office. The approval rate for Congress is at a mere 19 percent. If this were a business, you'd probably all be fired in Washington, but you're here tonight looking for a promotion. In 2013, Governor Haley hired you for the Senate. I'd like you to tell her why you should be promoted to CEO of the nation instead of her. Certainly. One of the things I'd say is if you look at our national debt of $33 trillion, I would love to have an opportunity to have this country pass a balanced budget amendment. That would constrain the spending in Washington in the same fashion that it does in every state in our nation, number one. Number two, if you want to actually reduce our national debt, you have to grow our economy. In order to grow our economy, you need to create about 10 million jobs to grow our economy at 5%. You can do that in three specific sectors. Number one, the energy sector. We could create between three and three and a half million jobs if we unleashed all of our energy resources. America is the most we're the richest country if you combine coal, gas, and oil. Why not unleash all of our resources? Number two, we've lost 100,000 factories, 100,000 factories in the last 25 years. If we continued on my Made in America plan, we could bring jobs back to America in a similar fashion that we did when I wrote the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We actually lowered the corporate tax from 35% to 21%, reshored or repatriated $1.7 trillion. We brought the unemployment rates for African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asians to the lowest level in the history of the country right, no, Governor, and a 70-year low for women. Governor Haley, would you think you, you, think you would... Well, first of all, I think, look, I, I appreciate Tim. We've known each other a long time, but he's been there 12 years and he hasn't done any of that. He well, hasn't. Geez. They've only given four budgets I, on time in hey, 40 years. He was part of that. Biggest, he increased the national in the debt. He voted for the spending. You voted he has for, made you, sure that the you borders are open and they have done anything. Look at everything in South South Carolina. Carolina. 12 years. Where have you been? Where have you been, Tim? 12 years. We've waited and nothing has happened. Here's what you've done. Here's the thing that I find interesting. Here's the fact. And I appreciate a lot of the things they're saying. Nikki I'm Haley. the only one up here who's gotten in the big fights and has delivered big victories for the people of Florida. And that's what it's all about. You can always talk, but when, when it gets hot in there, when they're shooting arrows at you, are you going to be stand up for parents' rights, keep the state free? Are you going to be able to do all those things? And in the state of Florida, because of our success, the Democratic Party lies in ruins. We have won the big fights. We have turned our state into a Republican state. People respond to leadership. 
I've done it while others have talked about, about it. CEO, we actually have a CEO oh, of the White House. Answer, 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 if, we need, if, I may, if I may just oh, briefly oh, interject here, we need zero-based budgeting. That's the way businesses are actually Tax run. Cuts. Start with zero as the baseline for the budget and then see what's actually necessary. There isn't a blue state or a red state in this union that does it. The federal government doesn't do it. But successful companies, including the ones that I've built as a CEO, will do it. And I think we need a CEO in the White House to I get that done. Governor Burgum runs a state that way. Yes, have go questions. ahead. You didn't ask the only guy that's been attacked. You have energy questions. You don't ask anything. But I'm just going to say right now, when you say nobody else has done it, the energy plans that have all been announced in the last month by these other folks on stage, we're already doing it in North Dakota. The border plans they're already talking about, we've got troops down at the border flying helicopter missions from North Dakota, from San Diego to the Gulf Coast, trying to stop transnational criminal organizations from inflicting the invasion and the mass casualties in our state. And on the energy policy, we're already doing it. And it's not saying when nobody else done the big fights, North Dakota was leading the charge. We won the battle to get the Biden administration who was ignoring the law. They were the first administration since Truman that wasn't holding the quarterly required lease sales. And we won that in federal court. WOTUS, we won that in federal court. We're fighting the Biden administration on 20 fronts to say that nobody's fighting the big fights. Just look at the record of what we're doing right now. Energy, economy, national security have been talking about it since day one. And now finally, good, we're having the conversation about it. But we've got the answer Governor, in North Dakota. Governor Bergen, let's talk big government. This, this question's for you. Big government keeps getting bigger. One fifth of all new jobs this year have been created by the government. Governor Bergen, you say Bergen's you want to shrink the size of government. But it has been a century since any president has done that. Why would you be any different? Well, because we've, doing, we've, doing, we've done it in North Dakota. When I took office, we shrunk the state budget general fund by 27% in the first four months I was office, and we all the trains still running on time. Why? Because you had a business leader that was actually there. Inside of every government job, there's 10 or 20% of mind-numbing, soul-sucking work that even the state and federal employees don't want to do, and you could engineer that work out of the job. That would free up right there, 20% of 2 million civilian employees. And by the way, we've got 10 million jobs open. They'd have plenty to do, and they could be in generating taxes instead of being paid paid by taxes. This is totally possible to do it if you have somebody that understands because having worked in technology for 30 years, everything we had to do was to be better, faster, and cheaper the next day. That's what we can do right. in government. That's what we're doing in North Dakota. Right. Doug is Governor now the winner DeSantis. of the debate as of right now. Everyone will be talking about, about him. Y'all in podcast will be talking about Doug. I, I guarantee This it. election could come down to less than 50,000 votes in three states. Abortion was on the ballot in six states in 2022. Democracy on the ballot. Republicans lost all of them. Next year, abortion will likely be on the ballot in Arizona. That is a must-win state. Governor DeSantis, how are you going to win over independent pro-choice voters in Arizona? Same way we did in Florida. We won the greatest Republican victory in a governor's race in the history of the state, over 1.5 million votes. We were winning places like Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach, that nobody thought was possible uh, because we were leading with purpose and conviction. I reject this idea that pro-lifers are to blame for midterm defeats. I think there's other reasons for that. Uh, the former president, um, you know, he's missing in action tonight. He's had a lot to say about that. He should be here explaining his comments to try to say that pro-life protections are somehow a terrible thing. I want him to look into the eyes and tell people who've been fighting this fight for a long time. I was at, my wife and I uh, earlier today were at the gravesite of President Mrs. Reagan, and I noticed that um, there was a quote where it says, 
Every single person has purpose and worth. We're better off when everybody counts. And I think we should stand for what we believe in. I think we should hold the Democrats accountable for their extremism, supporting abortion all the way up until the moment of birth. That is infanticide and that is wrong. Let me ask Governor Christie. Governor Christie, do you think that Republicans... Okay, Governor Christie, do you think that Republicans can do that in Arizona if this referendum is on the ballot there? Yeah, because I did it in New Jersey. Dana, you know, it's... Then why are all these other states losing? Well, because they don't have leaders in those states who are leading the fight the way it should be led. And and the fact is, look, I was a governor here of the only blue state that's represented up here. This is where the fight is really tough for Republicans. And those are the states that we're going to have to try to win if we're going to win the White House back. And what we did is 14 times, Dana, in eight years, I vetoed Planned Parenthood funding. 14 times. No one else gets it that much. The Democrats just kept sending it to me, and I kept saying no because I believe in life, but I also believe in states' rights. And I think we fought hard against Roe versus Wade for decades to say that states should make these decisions. So we're going to have those fights in the states. But what you need is a leader who can talk to people and make them understand that if you're pro-life, you have to be pro-life for the entire life not just the nine months in the womb. And we talked a lot about fentanyl tonight, and we haven't spoken one moment about treatment. But we need to make sure that for the drug-addicted 16-year-old on the floor of the county lockup, her life is precious too. And we need to be providing treatment to cure this as a disease that it is. If you're pro-life, you gotta be pro-life for the entire life. We start talking like that, they're gonna do what I did in the blue state which was get reelected with 61% of the vote and won 70% of independents and 51% of Latinos because I told them the truth from my heart. Thank you. Vice President Pence. That was his first good answer in any debate. So, 73% of Latino voters think the Republican Party doesn't care about or is being hostile toward them, the Hispanic community. Only Governor DeSantis has translated his campaign into Spanish. How will you reach out to Latino voters? Well, I I promise you that we're going to continue to build bridges to every community in this country. And I'm incredibly proud of that tax cut and tax reform bill. I worked on Capitol Hill to help get that bill passed into the largest tax cut in American history. We saw literally the lowest unemployment ever recorded for Hispanic Americans, the lowest unemployment ever recorded for African Americans, 50 for women. So I think the president of the United States needs to be a champion for the American dream for every American. It begins with the unborn and the aging and the infirm. And it begins with every ethnic group in this country. And I promise you, if I'm president of the United States, I'll be a champion. I'll be a champion for the American dream for Hispanic Americans and for every American. So help me God. Senator Scott, reaction? Yes, there's no doubt that. If you lead by example, it's the best way to get the job done. If you look at my office in the Senate, my chief of staff is the only Hispanic female chief of staff in the Senate. I hired her because she was the best, highest qualified person we have. What we need are leaders who lead by example. And I will simply say, I would love to finish my conversation with Nikki as it relates to the job that needs to get done. Nikki offered a 10% 10 cent gas tax increase in South Carolina. Talk about someone who has never seen a federal dollar. She does 10 cents on this gallon in South Carolina as the UN ambassador. 
you literally Bring it, put $50,000 on <laughs> curtains and a $15 million subsidized location. Next. You got bad information. First of all, I fought the gas tax in South Carolina multiple times against the just establishment. Go to you, just go to YouTube. Against the establishment. You, just go to and YouTube you want to know what that yourself. 10 cent yep. was? When they wouldn't pass the gas tax, the establishment and the companies wanted me to do it so much that I said the only way I will Here's pass what it is if you will give us All you have to do is go watch give, Nikki Haley on YouTube. If you will give me three times the deduction and in income tax, then I will look at your gas so tax, you said, which yes, is why it didn't would, happen. Secondly, secondly, on the 50 million curtains, do your yes. homework, Tim, because Obama bought those curtains. Did you send them back? It's in the press. Did you send them back? It's the State Department. Did you send them, back? You send them back? You're the one that works in Congress. Oh, my gosh. You get it You done. hung them on your, your, your curtains. I, they were there before I even showed up at the residence. You here's, are here's scrapping. A, here's you a, are scrapping. This is so stupid. He's so staged. This is so awful. We're not intend to go ahead like this. In fact, we're about to take a commercial break. We'll have more of the second Republican debate live from the Reagan Presidential Library in just a few moments. Awful. So staged. Does that not seem staged to you? It just doesn't feel authentic. It's like, okay, they look down at their papers, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, and they're like, all right, this is where we argue and we battle it out. Here we go. You and I, you ain't going to bring you. It, 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 come on, there's no authenticity. We can sniff it from a mile away. We know what's real and not real. We're not dumb. Sure, we're peasants, but we're not stupid. All right? They think we're idiots. They really think we're just dumb. Like we have no awareness of anything. We're just robots, just droning through life, doing nothing except doing what we're told. I mean, this is awful. You know, they talk about saving democracy, saving democracy. Maybe we should get rid of it. Maybe we should get rid of it. Maybe we should just have a dictator. Maybe it'll be easier. Okay. We don't have to watch this shenanigans. Okay. When you have a dictator, maybe, you know, maybe things will be a lot smoother. You know, maybe we get a better show because democracy isn't bringing us a very good show right now. Very bad show. Very bad show. Um, yeah, just doesn't seem, it's not sitting with me like, this is real. This is authentic. This is for the people, by the people, of the people, the people, the people. This is like the elites are playing a game. They're running around us. They're pulling the little tricks. They're going to get into the White House. They're going to be in power. And they're just going to do it again and again and again until we're all broke, till all the currency's debased. Okay, till we're in 25 wars at once, if we're not already in 25 wars, till we spread democracy worldwide, meaning we just invade every country we don't like, take all their natural resources, and then still the people of America don't have anything. It all goes to the elites. All of it. 100% of it. I want to know how much of the Ukraine money is going to the elites. I'm just saying. I just want to know. I'm just curious. Yeah, this is just, this is just uh, very average. Very average. Very average debate. Uh, I gotta say, if you're a, if you believe in this whole Republican Democrat thing and you're a Democrat and you talk about news tomorrow, you're going to have a heyday. You got a lot to talk about because this stinks. All right. Just call it what it is. If it stinks, it stinks. And this stinks. Absolutely stinks. Okay. It is what it is. Um, Ron's getting his, uh, uh, his little makeup on again. Uh, Vivek hasn't been called up in a while. 
Doug Burgum kind of got momentum. So we got to say Doug took a big leap. He's talking common sense, but people don't vote on common sense. People don't vote on who has the best policies. That's not what people vote on. They vote on comedy. They vote on swag. They vote on who makes them laugh, who looks cool, who sounds cool. And that's Trump out of this bunch. People are voting for Trump. You can just tell the biggest winner tonight is Trump. These people just don't have it, whatever the hell that is. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. They don't vote based on the quality of the policies. You can have perfect policies that make everybody flourish. And if the person saying it is Doug Burgum and not have the swag of swag, he's not going to get elected. And it's a shame because Doug's speaking a lot of sense. He's a business guy. He built a multi-billion dollar software business from North Dakota. All right. He's probably running that state great. But when you think about all the states in America and which ones you want to replicate, how many times people said, we want everything to be like North Dakota? Nobody ever. Nobody in the history of the United States was like, we want North Dakota to be America. Okay. People think North Dakota doesn't have buildings. They have ranches and farms and taverns. Okay. And cowboy boots and, 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 and cougar, cougar handguns. That's all they have there. They have banks that you could still rob. All right. No cars, horse and buggy. That's it. But a lot of energy. Okay. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of oil, a lot of natural gas. It's crazy, man. So he definitely took a big step. I think people will talk about his little tidbit there uh, because it was a very good response. Uh, but everyone else, this is just blah, 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 blah. We'll see how Vivek ends this session. It's going to be interesting to see. We'll see how DeSantis ends this session. Uh, again, we don't care about Pence, Christie. Uh, we'll see how Nikki, Nikki's clearly a perfect representation of the establishment, but she does a very good job of represent, representing the establishment. There's no doubt about that. So we'll see how these people end here, or we'll play this last segment. We'll analyze and we will move on back to the normal rendezvous for the Jonathan Kogan show right back at the Ronald Reagan library, the second Republican primary. Welcome back to the final minutes. I could go another hour, but we only have a few minutes. Yeah, I can't. And candidates. It's now obvious that if you all stay in the race, former President Donald Trump wins the nomination. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? <laughs> Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. Whoa. 15 seconds. Starting now, of the people on the stage, who should be? I'm absolutely serious. With all due respect, I mean, we're here, like, you know, we're happy to debate, but I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants to participate. Let's do some questions. Let's talk about the future of the country. Let me ask you something. Then, if you won't answer that question, let me ask you this one. What is your mathematical path, Governor DeSantis? in order to try to beat President Trump, who has a commanding and enduring lead in this race. So polls don't elect presidents. Voters elect presidents. Right. And we're going to take the case of the people in these early states. We're going to do it in a state-by-state -state direction. And why? Because as Reagan said in his day, this is our time for choosing. 
We are not getting a mulligan on the 2024 election. Republicans have lost three straight elections in a row. We were supposed to have a red wave with inflation at 9%. It crashed and burned. Not in Florida, it didn't. We delivered it in Florida. And so we've got to choose right. We've got to win. And we need somebody that's going to be able to serve two terms. So in January of 2023, they'll be able to address the nation saying, we turned the economy around, we secured the border, and we fended off the threat from communist China. As your president, I will get that job uh, done. Governor Christie, I believe I did see you write something. Governor Christie, I believe, excuse me. Governor Christie, why Christie? you write something on the card. No, no, but I'll certainly tell you. Okay. Yeah. Look, he's gonna say Trump. I think I've been the only one on this stage who's been clear about this. I vote Donald Trump off the island right now. And the reason I vote him off the island, <laughs> and there were and, but, any of the, no, of the people no, on the stage. You know what? Every person on this stage has shown the respect for Republican voters to come here, to express their views honestly, candidly, and directly, and to take your questions honestly. I have respect for every man and woman on this stage because they've done it. Vivek, put your hand down for a second, would you? Um, I still got I still got time, dude. So so chill out. Um, here, look. This guy has not only divided our party, oh, man. he's divided families all over this country. He's divided friends all over this country. I've spoken to people, and I know everyone else has, who have sat at Thanksgiving dinner or at a birthday party and can't have a conversation right. anymore if Governor, they disagree with Donald Trump. Governor he needs to be candidates. voted off the island, That's and he needs to be taken out of this process. Can we get to make 15 seconds? All right, you have 15 seconds I have a different view on this. I think Trump was an excellent president, but the America first agenda does not belong to one man. It does not belong to Donald Trump. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you, the people of this country. And the question is who's gonna unite this country and take the America first agenda to the next level. When we rallied behind the cry to make America great again, we did not just hunger for a single man. We hungered for the unapologetic pursuit Mr. of Ramos excellence. Ramos, so yes, I will, I will respect are, are. Donald Trump and his legacy because it's yep. the right thing to do. But we will You're. unite this country to take the America first agenda to the next level. And, and that will take a that, different that generation does to do it. For that does it. I repeat, that does it. For the second Republican Sloppy ending. Live from the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Thank you to all the candidates. We've loved having you here tonight, and we will see you out on the campaign trail. Have a great evening. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Good night. Buenas noches. Ah, that was sloppy. That was sloppy. Welcome to Hannity, the second Republican. All right, debate. we're stopping that here. That was so sloppy. You guys know the take. Final verdict. Winner is Trump. Second is Bergam. Three is DeSantis. Four is Vivek. Five is Nikki. Six is Tim Scott. Seven is Chris Christie. And eight is Mike Pence. That's it. We're leaving it there. We'll be back tomorrow with the regular Jonathan Kogan show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Take care. Bye-bye.